Hey, how's it going? I'm Nick, and I'm your host on the Echo Academy podcast, a podcast dedicated to uncovering helpful tools and strategies to elevate your career. On today's episode, we talk about what it takes to be a performing artist in Singapore. My guest today is Deborah Emmanuel. Deborah is a Singaporean artist most recognized for her work as a poet, singer, and theater maker. You may have seen her work on the TEDx stage, Barcelona International Poetry Festival, and the Makassar International Writers Festival. To find out more about Deborah, her work, and this episode, visit echo.academy forward slash deb. That's E-K-H-O.A-C-A-D-E-M-Y forward slash D-E-B. Today's interview with Deborah was really enlightening, so I hope you enjoy this one. Without further ado, here's my interview with Deborah. All right, Deborah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. Thanks so much for coming. Mm-hmm. Um, today's episode is really just to understand your personal story in your journey and in a nutshell, really understand what it takes to be an artist in Singapore. So, but I suppose before we even get to all of that, it'll be great to just understand, you know, how you, how did you find your way into becoming, you know, a full-time artist and, and when did that when did that idea seed in your mind? Mm. So I think it was kind of an accident. Uh, and it was an accident because I never really planned it, actually. Uh, basically, like from when I was a kid, I, I was I wanted to sing for my relatives. <laughs> and um, I was like writing poems. And nobody taught me how to do it. I don't even know how. Uh, I knew what a poem was. Probably they taught me in school, and then I was like, "Oh, I want to write those." <laughs> uh, but I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember how it formed. I just know that I was always doing it. Um, I always wanted to express myself, and I. I feel like <laughs> I always wanted to be the center of attention when nice. I was a kid, for sure. <laughs> um, and as time went on. Mm, I found different ways to do that, to fuel that need um, to express myself and to be paid attention to. Uh, And so I joined the drama club and I uh, sang in a band and I drew some pictures. Um, But it was only... I think after I had some kind of more formative uh, traumatic experiences in my personal life uh, that it came to it came to like my understanding that I should pursue it like properly. So I started studying uh, drama and psychology because what I wanted to do actually was use expression and uh, performance as a way for people to heal, as a way to help people, because I I realized how much it had helped me. And uh, I knew that there was an innate need in a lot of us to to talk about what's happened in a safe way. Uh, 
Right. Um, and really, that's what art does. Really, that's what performance does. And and making making music, even uh, writing songs, all of these things, doing theater, they allow us to explore these stories and these held emotions within us in in a in a safe way, in a fun right. way, yeah, uh, in a creative way. Uh, so I think it was really quite um, organic for me. I don't feel that I had to push very hard. Uh, the only thing that I had to do was really decide that I was going to do it. Right. Um, and that was quite simple because I'd always done it. And I can't imagine myself not doing it. Right. And and you, you brought up something that I think it's worth exploring as well. And, and that is how did um your your ability to be creative and to perform helped you go through, you know, the personal traumatic experiences that you had? Mm. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, I think that, that art is a very useful tool for healing. Uh, and for me, because I was experiencing so many emotions, like there are some things that are a predisposition, okay? Like I, I've wanted to, you know, make art or perform or whatever from a young age, like I said, and um, I've been expressive from a young age uh, and all of these things, but, but also it does take work it takes a choice um i'm i'm not trying to push this idea that like it was so organic and it was super easy like i mean i had to put in some effort for sure uh but i'm saying that if this is something that you're meant to do then the universe will facilitate it happening for you Mm -hmm. it's just a question of finding the right opening um so for me I found my opening in um, poetry and uh, and in writing, and that was something that I wanted to do a very long time ago, and that I needed to do. Whenever I had these strong emotions uh, that would bubble up within me, I needed to deal with them in some way, and the way that I dealt with them was reaching for a pen and writing in my diary uh, or writing a poem about what I thought. And writing those things always helped me to understand the issue. It helped me to take the issue outside of myself so that I could look at it. The problem is when we keep it inside, it festers, it turns into some kind of gnarly monster that, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, totally can take control. It can hijack our consciousness. But if we use art as a way to, to, to process things, um, it, it definitely allows us, um, Way better health, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's my opinion. So that's why I, I was always doing it for my own health. And as I saw the effects it had on my health, I realized like, oh, I really want to push this agenda um, for other people's health too. Yeah. And that's why I studied what I studied. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's the the challenging part, I assume, is, you know, it's one thing to have that conviction to to want to be a performer because it fuels you and you feel like this is your best medium to express yourself and to help others. Um, the challenge is to have a career out of it, right? Um, what were you scared and uh, or 
were there things that were blocking you in terms of pursuing that as a career? Like, did you think like, oh no, is this going to generate money for me? Can I live off this? What What were your thoughts around it as you started? Mm. Well, I guess for me, the main thing was it was my priority to do that. So as long I was, as I was able to do that and find ways to do that, uh, whatever context I found that in, you know, whatever way I had to, to make it happen uh, for me to be able to write or share my work or whatever, um, I was always happy. Uh, so at the beginning, what that looked like is basically me doing FMB jobs for years. Yeah. Um, I was working as a waitress. I was working as a bartender. I was working um, as, uh, yeah, Mostly those things, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah <okay. laughs> that was basically it. Uh, <laughs> I assume because it's flexible hours. Yeah, because it, it gave me a lot of, of freedom. And it was also, I mean, at that time, uh, I was also still learning what the possibilities were and what I was able to do. So at that time, I think I also felt a bit powerless. And because I had... Um, been in the F&B industry since I was 16 years old, it was familiar and it was easy. So I just returned to doing the thing that I knew in order to get by. Yeah. Um, and so I had this F&B job and then whenever I could uh, arrange a gig, I would do it. Or when I could be at an open mic, I would do it. And so at the beginning, it definitely was a lot about just doing the work on my own time and getting by in other ways. And that's actually completely normal and acceptable. I mean, there's so many famous uh, prolific writers from our time and the time before us who had day jobs yeah. and made art on the side. Actually, right. there's nothing to be ashamed of about that. And it's the capitalist system that has made us think that anything that is part of our identity needs to be capitalized on <laughs> yeah that, that if you true. yeah if you like doing something if if you're passionate about it then you need to figure out how to make it your job yeah. um and i don't really agree with that uh, i think that if you really want to do the thing then you just find out how to do it and to be able to do it because that's what your soul needs and if you need to make money another way then do that so that's what I did for a, a very long time. And it actually took me, I think it took me like 10 years even. Well, no, that's dramatic. Maybe like <laughs> eight years. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was eight years of always having to have an F&B job right. um, until I started breaking into not needing to do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it was liberating but it was also a complete shift because suddenly this thing that I had done uh, only for joy and that I had been like trying to do work around my whole life, facilitating me doing that, uh, suddenly it became my full-time job. Right. And that changed the relationship with it. And suddenly making art was my job. And sometimes I would be making something because... I had to because my livelihood was dependent on it because yeah. I wasn't doing other things to sustain myself anymore. Uh, and then uh, I really got to this place where I was questioning 
actually, why am I doing this? Right. Um, I've always wanted to be to be um, able to make art. You know, that's that's something that's very important to me, and I believe that until I die, I'm going to be creating things. Uh, but I think that the way that we have been taught to uh, approach our relationships with things we are passionate about uh, is a bit problematic within our current economic system and within our current capitalist model. Um, And yeah, for me, I really got to this place of like, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I'm totally okay with not being an artist as my full-time job, even though right now, like that's still what's totally funding my life. And yeah. I'm so grateful because not that many people get to do it, right? Especially in Singapore. Um, obviously, I still struggle sometimes, but I'm definitely uh, at a place where I've um, got more than I've ever got in my life. And I've, I'm more abundant than I've ever been. And I feel very safe and secure and yeah. looked after uh, by the universe, you yes. know. Uh, and obviously it took a bunch of work to get here, but it's also kind of like, well, uh, I don't want to make it my job so that I can say it's my job. You know, I, I want to do what I care about and it doesn't have to be my job. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you I'm really glad you brought, brought that up. I think we are so focused on um ta- as in your words capitalizing on our our gifts or our talents. And and the truth is, you know, it can function side by side with whatever it is that's funding our lifestyle so to speak. Uh having said that, you know, like when you do those when you when you split those when you split that and you have a job that pays the bills and something they are pursuing on the side, uh, how do you carve out those opportunities? Um, you know, because, you, well, number one, you have the responsibility of work, but number two, you know, now it's, now it's just, uh, it's a passion, pursuit of passion. It's a, it's an endeavor that requires a little bit of self-discipline and, and a little bit of, um, intention how do you seek out those opportunities mm. for me I guess uh, that is so much related to well motivation and purpose right and how do we keep ourselves motivated well for me I keep myself motivated by um, having a healthy uh, energy system and having a healthy body and a healthy mind and that means that uh, yeah I don't smoke I don't drink um, I sleep at a reasonable hour I, I what's reason what's reasonable okay okay maybe <laughs> like maybe around like midnight every day I'm, okay I'm, ar- I'm in bed around midnight um, um not not to interrupt do you wake up with an alarm clock or without mm, actually I wake up without an alarm clock sometimes I wake up with an alarm clock if I have an earlier appointment got it um but i'm yeah i mean i'm really kind to myself actually and that's the the biggest thing i think that helps me to to get up and do something that i care about is that i'm no longer super putting pressure on myself to achieve things which is what i used to do in the past i was like i really want to do this um so that I can uh, prove myself. What's an example of that? I guess uh, 
I guess writing books, for example. Got I've it. written three books so far and published them. The last two I self-published um, with Possible. Um, and I'm so grateful that people funded me. Uh, uh, and I think I was kind of also caught in the Singapore uh, hamster wheel <laughs> of <laughs> yeah. like, I have to produce things in order to have value as an artist, right? Because yeah. that's how also we've been taught that that we create value is we make things, we produce things, we we prove ourselves. And so I think that this is something that I was doing for a while. I was like, okay, I have to write another book now. I wrote the last one. That's been enough time. Now I have to write another one. Yeah. That's just how it goes. Um, and I'm still doing that. You know, I'm still working on my next book. But I think I really identified this pattern and I realized like I need to stop pushing, 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 pushing because I have to trust that if I just make the things that I care about making, then they will have value for whoever needs to experience them. But obviously, the only reason why I can say that and why I've gotten to this place is because I feel like I've already proved myself. Right, you okay. Know? It's, so it's a strange thing, yeah. I mean, honestly. Um, but it is nice to finally be in this spot where I feel like, okay, I don't have to prove myself anymore. And whether or not that's because of other people telling me that I don't have to prove myself or showing me that I don't have to prove myself or whether it's that I finally reached a place like individually within my own psyche where I believe in that everything's going to be okay, mm -hmm. you know, and that I don't have to keep pushing. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether it's either of those things. Maybe yeah. it's a combination. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but... I definitely am happy to be in this place where I realize like I'm responsible for the motivation, but the motivation doesn't have to look like I'm going to be the best, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like I think we've been raised in this weird competitive environment from such a young age and cities are like that, yes, but also Singapore is like that. Um, and I don't want to buy into it, especially when it comes to making art because my first relationship with it was that of healing mm -hmm. and that of um, flow. And so to turn it into this, like, I have to push myself to make art kind of thing um, is not really, I think, healthy or true to to what it should be. Yeah. So I guess um, what I'm trying to say is do it because you want to do it. Do it because it makes your heart sing, because you can't imagine not doing it. And if you're doing it because you feel like you need to prove something or because you uh, you think that it looks cool, <laughs> yeah. um, then do something else. Yeah. I'm interested. I'm interested to pursue this further because it's one thing to do it to pursue, you know, just for the sake of pursuing it because it gives you passion. It excites you. I'm curious to find out what's a healthy amount of pressure you should put on yourself and maybe you can, you know, just talk about it through your own experience. Mm. Well, I am definitely into discipline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I plan things in advance, you know, I make a schedule. Um, 
when I'm in a period where I've decided I'm going to uh, write something, then I uh, I create goals and I have a timeline. But also, if I don't meet those goals and I wake up one day and I'm like, actually, I can't do that today. I feel like doing something else because I'm tired or I'm sad uh, or I feel unwell, then I will be cool with not doing it and I will allow myself not to do it and not judge myself for not doing it and forgive myself for not doing it. Um, And I think that's actually so important because, yeah, obviously creating the plan is valuable and plans, yeah, plans are totally useful. Goals are totally useful because they give us uh, something to, to, uh, they give us direction. They give us a, a, a vision that has a form, like having an idea to, to make something is great, but figuring out how, what it looks like to get from point A to point B is a lot easier when you have a plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you know the steps involved, right? Um, so I know what the plan is, but also if the plan doesn't happen exactly at this time that I decided it was going to happen five weeks in advance, then um, I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah. And is is there something, is there a way for you to understand what is you forgiving yourself or, or, or have, having that compassion to just take a chill pill for one day if you're not feeling it? And the, and the distinction between you just being lazy, like, mm. do you ever have that conflict and how do you deal with that? Mm. Um. I don't actually have that conflict because I've done uh, a lot of inner work, as Mm -hmm. they call it. Um, I've done a lot of inner work to understand the patterns that have made me who I am and the patterns that continue to make me who I am and all of the conditioning and all of the programs um, that have been poured into my consciousness to to make me the robot that I am. Um, (laughs) And I'm trying really, really hard not to be a robot anymore, actually, you know. But it's just so easy to be a robot because it's all we know. 100%. Um, So so in order to, to not be a robot, I've really had to to scrutinize and observe why I'm doing the things I'm doing. Uh, And so I guess I'm in a place now where I understand uh, that the stuff that made me feel lazy, uh, the the moments where I felt guilty, that was conditioning. That was a program. That was something that I was taught from a young age to guilt me into behaving a certain way. And I refuse to listen to that voice. Yeah, I choose self-love. I choose love and compassion for myself. Um, wow. So yeah, I don't really listen to the, the, the voice uh, anymore. But I do push myself. But when I push myself past the, the feeling of I don't want to do it, I know that that's ownership and that's a choice. That's not because I feel guilty about not doing it. Yeah. Wow. That's very powerful. Let's um, like shift towards the, the artist, uh, the artist artistry side of things. Mm -hmm. 
what 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 has been like the biggest challenge for you pursuing the arts in a country like Singapore, mm. um, or just or just in general, if you prefer? I think that the biggest thing that I've realized is um, self censorship, because um, the moment that we start making art for an audience, uh, it also becomes about producing something that the audience wants to consume. And so I realized eventually that even though I had been making these things that um, I felt were quite progressive and activist and pushing my agenda, uh, I also was doing it in a way that was always safe. And I'm not saying that that's unreasonable because obviously if you want to be heard you have to work within the current system uh, within the rules of the current system to continue to be heard yeah and um you being in prison is not going to allow you to be heard i mean it might make a good statement uh but then the statement ends Um, something sustainable is to figure out how to say what you want to say uh within the the cage yeah okay uh but i realized that um i was really getting to a place where i was just becoming an instrument of the cage and i really became an instrument of the cage when i started doing television work which i did last year for example um and um taking certain jobs and all of this stuff and um I don't regret any of it because I've learned a lot through this process, but I realize that as long as we are making something um, that is a product, we have to think about the audience, about the consumer. Yeah. And the moment that we're thinking about the consumer, that changes the quality of the product. Yeah. But what if it's not a product? You know, what if it's something that you create because you want to create it and it's just something that needs to come out of your soul? Um, then you don't have to think about it anymore. Uh, you don't have to think about the audience. You don't have to think about what to change. And uh, so for me, I think that's something that I've really been thinking about in terms of, well, not just Singapore, because it's not it's not it is definitely related to singapore and the rules and the regulations around like what will get funded and what yeah. will not for example right um or what is safe to say and what is not but it's also a question of like actually if i was just making art that i wanted to make and i didn't care about whether anyone would like it what would i be making and um, I realized that sometimes I wasn't making exactly what I wanted to be making. I was making something that I was hoping other people would like. Yeah. Um, or something that I knew other people would like because they had already exp- expressed in the past that they like it when I make that kind of thing. Yeah. And how how important is it for you to to make the things that you like versus things that an audience would um, now I understand more and more uh, very important to mm-hmm. make the things that are just for me. And if someone wants to buy it later, great. But then, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, but then, you know, um, having the awareness to moderate my 
relationship with the act of creation uh, is really important. So like, you know, if I make a thing and then someone wants to buy it, then I realize, oh, people might want to buy it when I make that thing. Like, I just have to make sure that I don't just start making that thing so that more people will buy it. Yeah. It's such a trap. Yes. Um. So um, I'm finding new ways to do that, you know, new ways to create things that are just for me. And right now painting is my way. Oh, nice. Uh, so I've, I've, yeah, I've been painting quite a lot. Um, and I find it a beautiful abstract way for me to, to make things that I like because I'm not a painter. <laughs> I mean, I'm supposed to be a poet, yeah. but now I realize like, oh, I can paint. Actually, I can do anything if I choose. I just have to choose to do it. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, Yeah. Just joy in the act itself instead of for someone else is something that I'm um, trying to keep and to relearn again yeah. and again. Yeah, that's so important. When and and the the interesting thing is, um, you've also had the the opportunity, the privilege to travel overseas to perform. Um, when other people in other countries reach out to you and ask to perform, is it for the work that you are proud of or for the work that, uh, as you mentioned, just consumers want? And uh, yeah, how do you feel about that? Mm, actually, uh, I think most of my uh, overseas engagements have come from poetry and my band um although no that's not true that's not true (laughs) there was a a festival in australia that commissioned me to to make a a a really experimental poetry performance and Mm. for that one i really did something like very political and quite uh singapore centric Uh, and i premiered it there safely away from this country of course Uh, (laughs) um And it was very well received, but also maybe not fully understood by the audience. Who knows? But I I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, I think actually perhaps even, I don't know if I can say this, but there are a lot of spaces outside, um, maybe outside here where, the act of creation is just valued for what it is mm-hmm. instead of as what is the goal, yeah. what is the objective, what is the purpose. Because I started to realize from traveling and seeing art in other places that um, I was indoctrinated and uh, brainwashed a little bit into thinking that all art needs to have a goal, an objective, a purpose, um, an aim. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And uh, and then I started seeing work from other places and being like, actually, I don't understand. Uh, But I feel something, but I don't understand. And then it started to dawn on me like, oh, it doesn't always have to have an agenda. And, so true. And I have been raised to think that everything needs to have an agenda. Even art has to have an agenda because that's what the arts council will uh, ask me when I'm pitching a project. They're like, yeah. why are you doing this? Explain yourself. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that's actually been what I've learned from traveling is like 
I don't always have to have a reason for doing it. It can just be for the sake of experimentation, for the joy of creation, for um, doing something a bit weird. Yeah. And trusting that if it makes people feel things, then it already has value. Yeah. Art without an agenda has a nice ring to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, I, I'm also curious because when 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 things as as an artist, you know, there it's as it is as as a career, if you want to call it that. Of course, um, um, it can be challenging. Things won't go your way. I guess as with anything in life. But when things don't go your way, Deborah, like how do you? keep yourself on track and like keep yourself focused you know and like to who you are as a person and who you're trying to be mm. uh, well I meditate a lot I meditate every morning um, it's very important it's kind of like brushing my teeth I can't not do it anymore how uh, long do you meditate for mm, between like half an hour to 45 minutes okay. something like that um and yeah, I do regular exercise. I have mentioned earlier, yeah, I go to the gym a couple of times a week or um, I do yoga, all of these things um, I think are really important because we are not just our mind. Yeah. And uh, we're not just our spirit. We're also our body. Um, and I feel like doing things to connect my mind with my body um, my spirit is always there, obviously. Um, <laughs> kind of gels everything together. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important to keep me grounded and keep me sane and keep me functioning at a at a high level. Yeah. Yeah. Is is would you say routine is important for you? I think that some parts of my life I cannot do without. Mm -hmm. And and the parts that I just mentioned, actually, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. And, and it's because um, that's my priority is to be um, healthy. Yeah. Because I don't think that I can do my job. Um, I don't think I can hold space for other people. I don't think I can hold space for myself mm -hmm. if I am not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, in this, when it comes to that routine, uh, even even if it's certain things that you hold true to yourself, I always used to think that you needed discipline to create routine. But now, in 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 the past few years, it's kind of flipped. I always feel that routine keeps me disciplined. You know, like having that routine allows me to know, like, okay, now that I've created this structure in my life, how can I, um almost like uh like like boxes just fit them into <laughs> into the shelf so that I can feel accomplished throughout the day and, and 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 something you mentioned as well you know just keeping those things that keep you sane and keep you whole is so important and it's always the first things we seem to neglect when things don't go our way right yeah totally um and i think it's easy to to neglect those things because um because they're so natural. So we think like if we're facing a problem, then we have to focus on the problem. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that uh, those habits that allow us to function are habits for a reason mm. and that they 
unnecessary for us to deal with whatever challenges life throws our way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to ask a final question that I think will be perfect to summarize this entire thing. And I mean, you're, you're very, you, you seem very calm and relaxed and, mm-hmm. and, and, and in a good place. And I think that's totally wonderful. So my question would be, what would the Deborah of today advise the Deborah that was going th- through all those difficult times and those traumatic times to almost as a way of encouraging her to say like, hey, it's all going to be okay. We're good. We can get through it. Mm. W- w- what are some words you would share? Actually, um, you said it already, you know, Um I will tell her that everything is going to be okay and that everything is as it should be because um, even though I have experienced a lot and a lot of pain um, and a lot of darkness, I know that everything that happened happened so that I could be where I am now. If it didn't happen the way that it happened, then I wouldn't have sought what I sought. I wouldn't have learned what I learned. I wouldn't have grown in all the ways that I have grown. And so I'm grateful for all of the challenges and the pain. And even though the past me felt very much like a victim Mm -hmm. and um, felt very much like everything was going wrong, she needed to feel that. And I had to let her feel that. Nice. And and what would you um, tell aspiring artists who want to make um, their, their artistry a career in Singapore, I guess anywhere in the world, but to Singaporeans especially? Yeah, um, I would say that if you want to do it, just do it. And if you need to um, fulfill your financial functions in another way, then do that too. Like we need to be um, detached from this idea that everything needs to be one, that our um, the thing that makes our heart sing also needs to pay the bills because that's <laughs> not the case. Um, so if you want to make art, then just make art. Don't let anything stop you. Yeah, so powerful. I'm, I'm really glad I had this conversation. It's, it's helped me and I'm not really an artist, so, <laughs> so it's a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, for those who are interested in finding more about, you know, your art form and how, um, and you know, what you do and where you'll be performing, etc. How can, how can they find out more? Well, I'm all over the internet, um, <laughs> so you can Google me, um, and I have a website. I've also got um, a Facebook page, and I've also got an Instagram page, uh, which I'm yeah, I'm quite active on all of those things. Um, so my website and all of the other stuff you can find with my name, which is Deborah Emmanuel. So it's DebraEmmanuel.com and that will give you links to everything that you need. Um, <laughs> D-E-B-O-R-A-H-E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. Sweet. It'll be in the podcast description too. So <laughs> no worries. Deborah, thank you so much for taking yeah. your time and spending it here. Um, 
Thanks. Um, and I think people will really benefit from 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 your story today. Thanks so much. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Thank you.